0: But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 119. I kind of changed, or the Lord changed my plans. And uh, Brother Randy, they had nothing to do with you. I just wanted to clarify that. But uh, the Lord has changed it, and I I look forward. I I was blessed by this, these uh, first 16 verses there in Psalm 119. And I've entitled it, The Old Prayer for the New Year. Not the old, but the old And you'll see what I'm talking about here. Also, if you would, turn over to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at a couple verses there as well. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, and keep your finger there. Then we'll go back to Psalm 119, and we'll read the first 16 verses of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 1, Blessed are the undefiled in the way we walk in the law of the Lord, or who walk in the way of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. O, oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O oh Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Our Heavenly Father, as we look into this passage and several others here this morning, teach us. And may we be challenged, encouraged, and motivated... Uh, and whatever needs in our, our life spiritually, may they be become very evident to us. May we not uh, uh, push it aside. May we not uh, sh- say, later I'll deal with it. But may this be the hour that we deal with what you would have us to deal with. So you, you have your way. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now if you would, back over in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, I want to show you. Uh, Just a couple verses here I want to look at in Colossians. I thought I had it um, marked there, and I failed to do so. Sorry about that. And uh, in fact, in in chapter 3, verse 10, look at that verse if you would. Uh, Here the Word of God says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so, verse 10, we are told to put on the new man. Now, that word put on means to put on like a garment i put on this jacket this morning and, and so in colossians 3 look at verse 12 we're told to put on therefore as the elect of god holy and beloved bowels of mercies kindness humbleness of mind meekness long suffering so in verse 14 we're told to put on charity And so what those passages mean, that we're to put on something that's not naturally a part of us. We're to put on uh, that uh, what's not not naturally a part of ourselves, put it on. We're to put on Christ, Uh, and we're to put on, that is, being like Jesus. Uh, Oftentimes, I remember years back, we had that little phrase, everybody wanted to know what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Really, it's not a hard question. What did Jesus do? Therefore, we know what Jesus would do today if he were here. And uh, he has not changed, will not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we are to act like Jesus acted. And so I don't believe I'm doing a disservice to the word of God when I say that it means that we are to put on, as it says there, the vows of mercy. And you know what? It, it means we're not naturally merciful. Not naturally. We are to put on mercy. It means that we're not naturally kind. We're to put on kindness. It means that we're not naturally humble. We're to put on humbleness. It means that we're not naturally meek. Put on meekness. We're not naturally patient. Put on patience. We're not naturally loving. Put on charity. Now, some may say, well, I just got to be me. You know, that's just the way I am. One that makes that statement, maybe you didn't make it out loud, say it out loud, verbally word those things, but it's in your heart. That's just the way I am, bless God. And, uh, you know, you take it or leave it. That's the, that's the words of, a, uh, of an immature Christian, of a person that hasn't grown, a carnal Christian. In fact, we're not supposed to be just the way we are. Who are we supposed to be like? Christ. That's exactly right. We are supposed to be like Jesus Christ. So however you think you are, and that people have to accept you, and that's just too bad if they don't like my personality or whatever it is, uh, listen, we need to constantly be striving not to be like us, but to be like Jesus Christ. And so so we, we are not supposed to be just just the, the way we are but like Christ now having said all of that I believe it's vitally important that we have somebody that we can come to somebody that we can just open up our heart to for instance if I woke up or if you woke up grouchy in the morning now some people we all are different right some people jump out of bed and excited and cheerful and Others kind of crawl out of bed and grumpy and growling at everything. Kind of like the old badger that got woke up out of his den. But listen, if that happens, you wake up. You're irritated. You're a little bit frustrated. Don't go to work and let everybody know that you're grouchy. Don't go to work and let them know that you're irritated or that you're frustrated. We're to put on Christ. Put on Christ. Go to work and, and try to be a blessing to the people around you. And put on that you're not grouchy. Put on that you're not irritable. And, uh, but we, we can't always be a put on, right? I mean, we, we've got to have somebody somewhere that we can go to, that we can open up to and share our heart with. and But we, you know, somebody we can just tell our fears to and tell them exactly how we feel. Now, I believe... ...that we ought to be our best around others. I believe that's what the Lord wants us to do. That's part of putting on Christ. What's the difference between a hypocrite, though... ...and a person that puts on, as we saw in Colossians chapter 3? Well, a hypocrite is one who acts like somebody they're not... ...so that they are praised for it... ...so that they receive all the attention and they are lifted up. Whereas a person who puts on, like it tells us to in Colossians chapter 3... Uh, is someone who acts like something they're not to be a blessing, to help others. Uh, do you see the difference here between that? I, we, we don't have to, and I know some people say, well, you just have to be honest. Well, the honest truth is, more important than that is being Christ-like. So we don't have to uh, be ex- expose our feelings and our emotions, our anger and all that to everybody in the world who do we tell that to who do we who can we go to and just open up our heart you know the answer it's Jesus Christ yes he's always there and so we've got to be able to open up uh, somebody somewhere I mean it would be a, a, a horrible thing wouldn't it if every Sunday I would come up to the pulpit and say let me tell you I just want to give you my complaints and my gripes and I'm upset about this and I'm upset about that Boy, nobody wants to hear that and i may have some legitimate gripes that's okay we all do right we all have our days when we're frustrated days when we're irritable but what we must learn to do is to put on christ to put on kindness uh, to put on love and to allow christ to live through us we can go to the lord just as david often did and pour out our heart to him and and maybe even do a little bit of complaining God has a way of bringing us back or give, getting the right perspective of things. But in the world, to each other, we ought not uh, uh, walk around with a chip on our shoulder and uh, just waiting for somebody to mess up so we can prounce on them and, and beat them up spiritually a little bit. That that's, ought not be. But we've got to be able to open up somebody somewhere, our concerns. And, and, and listen, there's got to be that individual that person and of course it is jesus christ jesus Uh, every last one of you this morning all of us we have that one we can go to and we can pour our heart out to our concerns too in psalm 119 we have here a man of god that opens up uh, uh to the lord jesus christ Now, as we read through the book of Psalms, we find, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we find men and women, David being one of them, and uh, they're often coming to the Lord and opening up to Him, sharing their fears, their concerns, yes, and even complaints. You read the Psalms, you'll find it's true. And I've, I've even read some, I thought, wow, that's kind of bold in him making that statement. Then you see at the end, he gets his heart right and he he realizes how foolish he was in thinking that way. But my point is this. We can open up to God. We, we, he is our heavenly father. He wants us to come to him. If you have a burden, I'll come to him. Tell him, Lord, I'm burdened about this. Lord, this is difficult. It's tough. And praise God, every last one of us have access to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as this uh, psalm goes on, they... Uh, are all through the book of psalms they express their fears and their concerns to god in psalm 119 we find a man as he considers the word of god he begins to feel overwhelmed and, and he, he's overwhelmed with the fact that he's inadequate so with his own inadequacies he comes before god his own powerlessness and he opens up to the lord about this And and I'm convinced that there are people here today that find themselves overwhelmed in their circumstances. I'll tell you, this past year was a real test, was it not? I mean, many people found themselves overwhelmed. Take a moment, when you get a chance today, read the letter here. It's back in the back here on the bulletin board from the Rays in China. You want to uh, get a good perspective of how good we may have it here Uh, They they spent uh, two weeks in a hotel room after going through all that they did just to get their visas and get on a plane and get to China. Then they had to spend two weeks in this hotel room, small room, uh, and they could not even go out the door at all. Uh, They brought the food to them, set it on a table, they opened the door, grabbed the food, went inside. Food, that's a a term that's uh, used kindly because it did not sound like good food at all he, he uh, and brother ray's not a complainer by any way but it's uh, pretty awful i think all of us tofu and uh just stuff that uh, we would not uh, have any taste or anything like in it but nonetheless they survived those two weeks and they had to go back to their house and spend time there but they had their good people in the church taking care of them so we've all been through things haven't we some of you've been quarantined some of you have been through uh situations that was frustrating and 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 we as a church have gone through where we had to close the doors where we were not certain of what we were facing and uh uh, so we've all faced things we've all been there where the psalmist is we understand the fears and the concerns and being overwhelmed with our circumstances and our own powerlessness to do anything about it our own inadequacies to uh, do anything about it as well Uh, perhaps as you look back in the year of 2020, you're, you, you failed God in ways that you thought you never would fail God. And the burden and the guilt and the feelings that you have, the, as you think about that failure, it's almost overwhelming. And, and you just think, I've got to go to somebody. I've got to open up to someone. And, and I've got to point out to somebody the burden that I'm bearing. It's too much for me. Well, I say to you, there is a God in heaven, amen, who's waiting for you to open up to Him. A God in heaven who is concerned, who cares. Cast your care upon Him, for He indeed cares for you. And so, poured out to Him, that's what we, we find all through the book of Psalms. David pours out his complaint to the Lord Now, I I notice in this passage that four times the author of Psalm 119 uses that word, O. One letter, O. Look at verse 5, verse 8, verse 10. We'll look at them again. Verse 12. All four of those verses, we see this uh, letter, this word, O. O, 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 being used. And here's a man that is burdened. Here's a man that is overwhelmed. And he's calling out to God. And he can only express it through that one letter. Oh, God. Now, as I think about that word, I notice that that word is a word of great burden. As you hear the psalmist express it, doesn't it almost sound pitiful? I mean, uh, look at, uh, again there at uh, verse 5. All that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. In verse 8, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Verse 10, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Verse 12, oh, Lord, teach me thy statutes. Here is a burdened man. Now, did you ever have such a burden on your heart, such a burden in in your life that where, where the only thing you could do was kneel before God and say, oh, oh god i mean where the words wouldn't even come to your mouth i believe many of you have been there i've been there and and when we get to that point where we we can't even express to god how we feel that's when the holy spirit kicks in amen And he comes in and he takes the groanings that cannot be uttered as the bible tells us and he makes them intelligible before god almighty oh it's a prayer it's a word of great burdens. And secondly, I noticed that it's a word, this word, "o" oh, is a word of great passion. Passion. You know what fundamentalism needs in America today? You know what our Bible preaching, Bible-believing churches need in America today? We need a good dose of passion. Passion. I mean, folks that believe in what the Bible says, they know it and they believe it. And and, and folks that not just believe it, but they are affected by it. We we need pulpits across America that are aflame with the enthusiasm of serving God. It is exciting to serve God. This book that I preach from today, how can we even read it without getting a little excited? How can we uh, 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 read it and, and, and apply it and memorize it without it having some effect our life you cannot there lies the problem many are not reading the scriptures are not studying the scriptures and and so that you know there's there needs to be some fire in all of us i know we're all different personalities but you can't tell me that you don't get excited about something you can't tell me this morning that there isn't a passion in you for something all of us have a passion for something would to God that, that our number one passion would be him, would be God. You know, this, you know, there's something I don't understand. I don't understand why this world can take a, just a young girl. I don't know, maybe, maybe even younger. I'm, I'm going to say eight or nine years old. They take a young girl like that and they ship her off to a special school. And in that school, they, they have her get up every morning at five o'clock. And they practice gymnastics i mean they work at it all the time she'll take a, a abbreviated courses in school after school and uh, the rest of the time hours five to eight hours a day practicing gymnastics and 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 then uh, uh after some years five six seven i don't know what it may be so many years she's just a teen she uh can go to one two-week event somewhere in the world and compete in the Olympics. And we praise her, and we say, boy, what commitment that young lady has. Boy, she's got passion for that uh, sport, that gymnastics, or whatever it may be. And we'll lift that individual up and praise her. Now, I mean, I think that's that's good, an accomplishment like that. But you take another young lady, And that young lady, this young lady, wants to live for God. And and she wants to be a soul winner. She wants to please the Lord Jesus Christ with her life. And she doesn't hang around with the dope-smoking friends at school. And she doesn't listen to the rock and roll. And she doesn't watch the filthy shows. And everybody says, you know, that, that girl's a little bit off. Well, she's strange. Why is that? I say, Christians, it's about time that men and women of God had the same fire and the same passion, even more so for the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, than the world does for all their meaningless, whatever it may be. Look, look I, I love sports as much as anybody else, but it's not going to matter if we were the, we, 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 uh, uh, had the scoring run in football, or we won the 100-yard uh, uh, dash, or we were the, won five gold medals. It's not going to matter when you stand before God. Is it good? There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's good as long as we have it in perspective. But where's the passion for God? Where's the passion for God? What we need in America today are some Christians that have an O down in their heart oh that i had god's power oh that i had god's blessings oh that god would bless my home oh that god would revive my heart oh that god would bless our church oh that god would save souls and rather than the oh of passion we have the oh well of apathy too often isn't that true who cares that's kind of the attitude of many christians today oh well Who really cares? Again, I'd be surprised to hear someone actually say those words. But that might be in the heart. Oh, well, who cares? Oh, well, who cares? God give us Christians a passion in our hearts and souls again for him, for the things of God. You know, you can go into a young person's room, bedroom, And tell a lot about that teenager, can't you? By the things they have on their walls, by the music they have on their radio, the CDs or whatever. I don't even know what they do. They do CDs anymore, I guess not. But uh, my point is, you can tell a lot about a person by what they surround themselves with. But where's the passion for God? Why is it we've only you know i'm a firm believer sunday morning sunday night wednesday night praise god be in church be in your place Uh, but look where where is it stated that it's only sunday morning sunday night wednesday night that we should worship god where if we really have a passion it's going to be in our heart and mind all the time you remember i was going to say you remember when you were in love hopefully if you're married you're still in love amen but uh, you remember that first love? You remember how you couldn't hardly sleep? She or he was on your mind, and, and, and uh, you had a passion. You wanted to spend time with them. You, wanted to, you were thinking about them all the time. We ought to have a passion even more than that for our Savior. Where's the passion? Oh, God, give me a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ again. Give me a, 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 an o oh, a a burden. Listen, is there a hell? Of course, we talked about that last week. So, then how can we sit back and do nothing and not witness for the Lord Jesus Christ if there really is a hell? I see in that word o, oh, I I see a great burden. I see a great passion. You know, a young man will sacrifice for his sport and... Everyone says, boy, what a, oh, what a great guy. He's committed to the game, to the sport. But you get somebody who's committed to the Lord, and they want to pass out tracts, and they want to read their Bible, and they want to invite people to church, and everybody looks at them and says, that guy's a little bit off. He's strange. He's going a little bit overboard. It doesn't matter how much time, how much excitement they may have towards their sport, but let them get a little excited about the Lord and people look at them like they're strange a little odd it's pitiful when people are more committed to a a pigskin ball than they are uh, the Savior their creator their Redeemer the Lord Jesus Christ I like what Charles Spurgeon said he said some Christians would make good martyrs they're so dry they would burn well sadly that is true isn't it do you know that we've got some things to be passionate about christian i I know I, i won't take a lot of time but we talked about these things last week but we ought to be passionate about the fact that there is a heaven amen we ought to be passionate that we have god's word the bible we ought to be passionate that we're not going to hell christian if you're saved you've been born again you're not you will never perish that ought to get you passionate about something we ought to be passionate about that Passion about the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, a passionate about having a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the, the liberals don't have anything to get excited about. I never hear any of the liberals who get excited and say, oh, praise God, it isn't so. No, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Praise God, it never will happen. Oh, no, they have nothing to get excited about. Those who deny the word of God, who deny Christ, they have nothing to be passionate about, but praise God, those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, who, who believe in the old King James Bible, I mean, we, we've got something to be passionate about, amen? Why aren't we, if that's true? And it is. I see in the word, oh, a word of great burden, a word of great passion, and then thirdly, a word of great humility. This is my last point, but it's a long one. Uh, just warning you. But no, it I'll, I'll, shouldn't be long at all. And it, look what he says there. Oh, that my, my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Now, don't you sense in the, the fact here that he had failed? That he hadn't kept his statutes? Do you sense that he had tried and failed? I, again, I can't speak for you, but I've been there. Oh, forsake me, he says. Forsake me not Utterly. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. You know what I see in these statements here? A sense of humility. There's a sense that he had come to himself. That he had come to the end of his own efforts. Every one of us that knows Jesus Christ knows what he is talking about. I'll guarantee it. If you're saved, there's been some time, some place in your life, Where you tried to live for God, and you tried to please God in your own power, and you failed miserably. And I know, personally, how he feels. And I'm sure most of you here today would as well. When we come to the end of ourselves, you know what we find? Jesus Christ. We find Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're lost, let me tell you, Jesus Christ, this is what he he wants you to hear. He will say to you, you need to come to the end of yourself. You need to stop trusting in your own efforts and the things that you're doing to try to get to heaven. Trusting in your religious thing. You need to come to the end of yourselves and trust me and me alone. That's what Jesus is telling you. Nothing else. Last week we talked about that. that our only hope is Jesus Christ. So here's the psalmist is crying out to the Lord. He uh, we see here this great, this old word, uh, the old the cry of great humility, because the only people that Jesus will save are those who will come to the end of themselves. The only Christian that can really get the help that you need is the Christian that say, you know what, I can't. But he can. Who will come to the end of themselves and let God have his way. So he's crying out to the Lord. He couldn't live for God. He's, he's basically what he's saying. He couldn't walk with God. He, he, he could not please God. That is in his own power. And so he humbly, he cries out to the Lord. You know what I see here? He's crying out with a desire for direction. Look at verse 5 again. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. The The successful man, woman, teenager, the successful Christian finds the will of God and does the will of God. That's success. The first and primary condition for finding the direction of God for you and I is this, to desire it. Oh, that my ways were directed. Lord, I want to be directed by you. I want your guidance and direction. And here we have a man that desires God to give him some direction. The main reason that that many Christians don't have victory from God is simply because they just don't want it bad enough. We'll we'll be uh, as victorious in our Christian lives as we want to be. When we get tired of mediocre Christianity, when we get tired of passionless uh, Christianity, when we get tired of dry fundamentalism and get thirsty for God and His power, you know what? We'll have it then. We have to desire it. You remember back when um, President George Bush sent in the troops to Iraq and You remember the Iraqi soldiers surrendering? Some of them were even surrendering to cameramen. They were offering them their weapons. They were giving up. They had had enough. And they fell down at the feet of these, these, even the cameramen, and they were begging for mercy. So a lot of that was on on camera. We were seeing that happening. Why? Because some of those men were dying for thirst. They had no water. And they were willing to humiliate themselves before the whole world just to get one drink of water. Oh, how uh, uh, powerful that, that image is. Now, I submit to you, unless, uh, you know, or until that we get to that point, until we want to please God, and we want God's blessings as badly as those men wanted water, that we can't live without it, until we get there, we're not going to see God do these great things in our lives and in our church. And you know what? We're not going to worry about being humiliated. We don't care. We must have. It's not that I just want it. I must have God's power. I must have God's presence. I must please God. It's a, it's a stronger desire than the desire for thirst. Most of us really don't know what it is to be dying of thirst. I know we've all used the phrase, boy, I'm dying of thirst. Been out working or... Uh, exercising or something like that but to be um, in the place where we're dying of thirst but we spiritually too many christians are dying of thirst and they don't even know it and when we get to that point where we must have him then we'll have him the problem is we just don't want it bad enough we're not willing we're not willing to kneel at an altar and ask god for help We're not willing to bow our heads before lunch at school, at work, and thank God for His provision. We're not even willing to take our family and gather them together and read the Word of God together and pray together. How in the world can we expect to have God's blessings when we're too proud to bow our heads and have our families pray together? God pity christianity in america today oh that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes he cries out with a desire for direction he cries out with a fear of being forsaken look at verse 8 oh forsake me not utterly you know failure can be devastating especially for any tender-hearted christians now i'm not surprised by the fact that christians fail being a christian myself i know uh, and, and being human and weak I know we, we can fail and sin, but I'm concerned when so-called Christians can sin and it not bother them at all. Then I am very concerned. When you as a Christian, you say you're saved, you're born again, and you sin and you have no problem. You're, you don't, you are not, uh, it doesn't bother you at all. Yes, we will sin and we do not, and I underline that many a times, we do not have to fear that Jesus Christ will ever forsake us. That verse I've been alluding to all morning here, Hebrews thirteen five, where he says, I will not, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. What Jesus is saying here is this, I will not at all, by any means, in any case, in any place, at any time, for any reason, per perpetually and eternally ever leave thee. He'll never forsake us, Christian. Amen. So this man of God opens up his heart to God. He cries out for direction. He cries out for the fear of being forsaken. He cries out, thirdly, with a worry over wandering. Look at verse 10. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. The last part of the last verse of the hymn, Come Thou Fount. You all know that song, but listen to it. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Uh, Tell the Lord, Lord, keep me on a short leash. Before you do something stupid, count the cost. Last of all, there's a cry here to be taught with the truth. Look at verse 12, oh, Lord, teach me thy statutes. See, it's only one point, but I have several other points under that one point. That's the problem, right? But, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. This man loved the Bible. He loved God's word. You know, people who love the Bible are happy people. Now, uh, look at verses 1 and 2. I want to make sure I, yes, that's it. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. They're happy. Blessed. That means happy. Now, I have never yet met one Christian that was disobedient to the word of God and was happy. Not one. I've never met a Christian who disobeyed God's word, went against what they knew was right, and were happy. It will not happen. If you're here today and you're willingly living in sin unrepentant, you've turned your back on what God has said, I I may not know much about you, but one thing I do know, you're not happy. You're not happy, Christian. Um, People who love and obey the Bible, those people are happy people. Uh, My Bible says that those that love and obey the Bible are a holy people. Listen to, uh, look at verse 1 again, blessed, happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. You know that old, Phrase, this bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this bible yeah it may be an old cliche but it's true Uh, and and people then uh, another point here people who love the bible are a humble people oh lord he says teach me thy statutes i i have to humble myself to god and say god i don't know everything god i don't know the direction to go uh, and, and, God, I don't know what's best. I need you. I need your word. Now, you know, there ought to be uh, something different about God's people. Amen? I mean, we ought to be different than the world, don't you think? There ought to be something different. We ought to be a happy people. Because our happiness isn't dependent on who's in the White House or uh, what happens in the circumstances around us. Our happiness is found in God. We ought to be a holy and a humble people. Someone very wisely said, we don't need more Christians. We need better Christians. Because if we had better Christians, then we would have more Christians. A lot of truth to that. Do you have somebody today in the world that you can come to and you can say, oh, my. Oh, oh. Do you have someone? I I say, and I say it again to you, yes, if you're a Christian, you do have someone, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, or uh, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're here this morning and you're unsaved, you need to come to Jesus. You need to cry out to him and say, oh, Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. You're here this morning and your heart is cold, Christian. You know the Lord Jesus, but you've just cooled off towards the things of God, towards Him. That fire's gone out. There's no passion. It's just going through the motions. That's where you're at. I say to you, you ought to come to this old-fashioned altar. And you ought to say, oh God, revive me. Oh God, stir my heart oh god whatever it is come and let god have his way let's bow our heads together in prayer father oh god how much we need you and lord i can relate to the psalmist here Uh, many a times uh, in circumstances situations it seems overwhelming and we get our eyes off of you and god i pray that today wherever we find ourselves some here undoubtedly, I know are saved. There could be some that are not. There could be someone listening to the message and, and they're not saved. Lord, I pray that they would just come to you and cry out to you because you're the only one that can really help. Oh God, have your way. Lord, it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.